0: Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke.
1: I'm Annie Warmke.
0: <laughs> you are. You don't <laughs> seem thrilled about it at the moment. I
1: was thinking about being ornery and say my real name. <laughs> All right. See but what today,
0: <laughs> your real name, you're in your witness protection. So <laughs> today we're going to talk about um, utilities, uh, sustainable utilities, or hey, is it safe to drink the water? So that's my...
1: Oh, yeah, because people ask us all the time. I know, but, I know. but we're really recapsulating 30 years, almost 30 years of being on this land, making a living out of a house of trash.
0: Right. And what we're trying to do is we're, we're sort of using as an organizing um, tool the fact that when people come on tour, and we've had thirty five, forty thousand 40,000 people come through here at Blue Rock Station, um, they ask a lot of questions. And of course, many of those questions focus on utilities. They also focus on crazy stuff, which we like, won't get how into. How did you get the yeah. floor
1: not to crack in the living yeah, room?
0: Or what, <laughs> how do you deal with healthcare? We'll, we'll deal with that too. But, but anyway, so, so utilities. Yeah, not utilities. And, and when we're talking about utilities here, we're really going to be talking about water, sewer, heating and cooling, electricity, And communications. Did I leave anything out? Oh, cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Cooking. cooking. Yeah. Yeah. No
1: cooking. So, you know, one thing I'm excited to talk about really is the fact that when we first started out, I being the frugal German person that I am, uh, I wanted to figure out how could we do a lot with a little. And so I was enthralled with the idea of thermal mass and passive solar and solar ovens learned a lot about that when i was in china i loved that concept um, collecting water off the roof that just made so much sense to me um, but these are all things that other people found to be very foreign just even the terminology was foreign sure
0: and maybe what we should do is back up a little bit and talk a little bit about the philosophy of blue rock station because it it has evolved over the years as well but at least in my mind, what we're trying to do oftentimes is demonstrate ideas um, at a at a manageable level. You know, this is a residence. It's not some huge, huge estate. We're 40 acres. A big modern
1: looking building. Yeah.
0: And we don't have a lot of money. I mean, I like to say anyone can be sustainable if you have a million dollars. Yeah. You know, hey, I've got a million dollars. I'm I'll sustain that, you know, but. So so it's not well, like we a Walt also, Disney World. Right, thing. but
1: we also want people that want to live simply in in urban areas to see that these things are translatable. Everything we do here is translatable on maybe a smaller scale or in a slightly different way. And so... The goal is to experiment. The goal is to demonstrate. And we make a lot of mistakes. Sure. And we get a lot of things Fails right of it. spectacularly,
0: you know. Well, one of the I things you'll not. find, I know, <laughs> if, you, if you see or read a lot of these books or articles and magazines, um, sometimes it becomes clear after we've worked through these processes that these people never did what they're claiming, <laughs> you know, works. It's like, oh, I have this idea You know, it's like you talk about with recipe books, you know, you'll say that person never made that because (laughs) nobody would eat that. (laughs) It just doesn't work, you know. Or they have this kind of sing song attitude, especially in magazine articles. You know, we went out into the country and we planted our garden and we ate our cucumbers and everything was lovely and everything was happy and we never had any problems. And we're like, you're just lying through your teeth because usually this stuff is annoying hard um, work hard work you fail it doesn't work the bugs are are biting you you know there are (laughs) spiders everywhere whatever you should at least (laughs) tell everybody that when you're digging in the garden you're going to get dirty you know yeah or meet up with insects you don't like and that's just part of it that's part of life you know i mean i i guess since i'm on a rant you know a lot of people (laughs) will say when they come here on tour oh your life seems so hard. I don't know how I couldn't do this. And I, I, I look at it and I say, do you know anyone whose life is not hard? Yeah, it's a level. you know anyone who, you know, they say building a building this way is hard. And I said, have you ever built a building? I don't care how you build it. It's hard. It's hard work. Everything's hard work. People struggle and that's part of it. Well, I would rather struggle this way than struggle trying to see if I can, you know, outcompete Schneider in accounting for my promotion, you know? Well, let
1: me say that I think that we're in a different position even from that because we just decided to take what money we had and we said, let's, let's invest this in this land. This is our bunker. We're not going to quit work and doing what we do. Although eventually we did. Um, But this is going to be our safety net. This is going to be where we're going to go when the world falls apart. Although we weren't worried about that at the time, but today we would be really concerned. And, and, and this is where we're going to bring our family and our friends and we're going to have fun and play games and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And, But then what it became from the moment that we both agreed that we wanted to build a nurse ship, it became an experiment. It became a trial and error. It became a huge learning curve because neither one of us had ever built anything in this way. And personally as the contractor, I'd never built anything but the blanket tent over my swing set so I could hide from my mother. Mm -hmm. So So it was this huge thing. But if you're going to build your own house in a conventional way, you're right. But it was much more than that. It was political. It was about loving the earth and saying, how how does this land support our life. So it wasn't about let's raise a few crops and make some money, let's have some llama treks, let's have tea, let's have tours. It was saying what resources sit on this land, including the utility capability, which is Mainly, number one, capturing the sun.
0: Well, there's, yeah, there's, and and that's getting us back to our original point. We wandered on down the cul-de-sac there just a wee little bit, <laughs> Mr. Preacher. That was here. me. <laughs> uh, my fault. Okay, I own it. But so anyway, so let's hit the utilities one at a time, and and you know, water, water. Of course, water is life. Um, we one of the reasons we selected um, Southern Ohio is. Is because of the availability of natural resources, water being the case, you know, uh, relatively temperate climate, um, things of that nature. I always I always think like when you go to the desert southwest, it's a beautiful place, but it's always trying to kill you.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I I don't think I mean, it has its own stark beauty, but I want to say something about the well versus the cistern, because I remember exactly my reaction. To the idea of having to dig a well and I was worried about the pollution I don't I don't even know that I was terribly astute or educated about that but also the tremendous cost and I kept thinking okay if we have less rain which they keep talking about this climate change thing and that was just the beginning days uh, what if we don't get enough rain and so there's no water table anymore. Or maybe the utility company, the oil gas drilling people come along and take all the water. So it made sense to me that we could have a big storage tank. The cost was hugely different, much, much less. Sure. But also, to me, I was always looking to build an insurance policy. Well, and you can control your supply at that point. You well, that's say, what I mean by insurance. This is how
0: big the tank is. This is how much I have left. I can begin to modify right? my behaviors. Whereas when you're talking about a well, all of that's hidden from you. Right. Um, When you're talking about a municipal water system, which in many rural environments is just simply not an option.
1: No, or it's got chemicals in it. And that was the other thing. I was always sensitive to chemicals. But if there's no electricity, we can still get water. If we had a well, that wouldn't be the case. So again, insurance. This was my insurance policy. I wanted to use what was available on the land And whatever we could capture, because that meant we had a little bit of control over how much we used. So let
0: me get a little bit into how our water system works, just uh, to give some people a little bit of of substance or a little meat on the bones of this discussion. So uh, typically, as you've mentioned, we use a cistern. The original design had two 5,000-gallon cisterns built into it. But it turns out because where we live gets adequate rainfall, Spaced out throughout. Well, let me just year. say there are
1: rooms at either end of the house, sure. virtual rooms that hold that 5,000 gallons of right. water. Right.
0: So, so there's a couple of things. If we're going to gather the water off of the roof, you need a roof surface that is not going to pollute the water. So you don't want to put like an asphalt roof or whatever. So we have a metal roof. Um, the water will flow through it, it flows into the cistern. We have screening at the intake that captures any large leaves, things of that nature. Critters. Uh, Critters. (laughs) Critters, that's a big one. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, then it goes into the cistern. Uh, The secondary filtration process is the intake for the water from the cistern is about six inches off the bottom. So if there are any particulates, you know, dust, um, dirt, whatever, it will settle to the bottom of the cistern. So the water that's being drawn out is actually relatively clean. Now, speaking of keeping the water clean, one of your big issues talking about chemicals was you never wanted to uh, have it treated with chlorine or anything of that nature. And we've experimented with a few things and we've had some (laughs) some problems, which I won't go into. But but what seems to work really well right now is I got a um, aerator. And it's just one of those, I'll think oh, of like, like an aquarium, <laughs> uh, it's for a pond, but it, uh-huh. it's essentially the same idea you see in an aquarium where you just bubble air into the cistern. So it has four little um, tubes that go down in and they're connected to these porous rocks and they're in the cistern and they just aerate. And that actually keeps that water crystal clear, which is amazing. I just want to say
1: amazing. that they're for two people that are very conservative about water, there is nothing like the feeling of watching Nearly five thousand gallons of water. It took all day to drain. Well, you're talking the about tank. the
0: problem when we we did have a problem, which I'm not. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go into, into, but I'm but just anyway, saying it's a sad thing. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like once. just sort of emptying your bank account.
1: But in the early days, we had like a coon get in there and drown, and you know there were there were issues until we figured out all the ins and outs of how to protect the right. water.
0: So now, once the water is brought into the home, it simply goes through a Um, regular household filtration, you know, one of those that you can buy at Lowe's or Home Depot uh, with an inline pump and a pressure tank. So that's all plumbed pretty, pretty normally if people are familiar with that process. So we're getting a particulate filtration for the water. And then uh, as a triple protection, we went ahead and put a uh, carbon filter on the cold water tap in the kitchen sink. So I use that this is for drinking Jay's water because yeah, I don't
1: care. I think yeah, it's fine. It's
0: fine. It's rainwater. We're not downwind from any polluting source. It's
1: lovely and cold because yeah. it's underground and it doesn't freeze, so you don't have to worry about it.
0: So so the water issue there is taken care of. I always think about, you know, when people talk about where do you get your water or whatever. It it it's such a weird system we have in in this country where we take the water from a source, we pipe it hundreds of miles of pipe in a municipal source. We treat it with chemicals because it's polluted. You get it to your home. Uh, You use drinking water to flush your toilet. Then all of the sewer goes through that same pipeline back to a centralized source where they end up Treating it a little bit and then dumping it into the same water source where everybody's getting their their drinking water from, so that they have to then treat the drinking water because it's polluted because they're dumping all the waste. Well, people,
1: I see people buying all these big packages of those little plastic bottles that yeah. th- talk about pollution. Ooh. Yeah. So,
0: so anyway, it's an it's annoying, but you know, it's like finding gold <laughs> gold coins that just drop out of the sky and so meaning why the don't water. You, yeah. So why don't you pick them up? You know, they're right
1: there. Yeah. Use them. Well, there is this sort of national um, collective thinking about cisterns being unhealthy, being unclean.
0: Yeah. So they're afraid of the water, but they'll drink Dr. Pepper, you know. I mean, yeah, or Mountain okay. Dew
1: or whatever, or water out of those horrible plastic bottles.
0: All right. Well, not that we have any strong opinions about this. So let me, let me take a break here and remind everybody that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jane and Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. Thank God. So the end of the world as we know it. Well, let's hope they get rid of those silly municipal water systems. Uh, come up with something better. So speaking of then the second part of water is you have wastewater. So what do you do with this wastewater? And, and I guess I would look at wastewater systems. Currently, we, we have several waste streams that a typical home produces. There's essentially human waste, uh, usually from toilets, you would assume, you'd hope. Um, and that is highly toxic, highly polluted, um, polluting. But then we mix all the other wastewater in with that. So that the entire waste stream is now highly polluted. Rather than separating out gray water from Which is the urine black and water. The well, no, not the urine. It's the it's the dishwater, shower water, washing your mm-hmm. car, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. That can be lightly treated or not treated at all yeah. and used for irrigation. It can be used for other activities. It does not need to go into the waste stream uh, with with the black water, which they would say which, is, which, is, which
1: waste. is the toilet.
0: Yeah. So so that's a dumb thing already. But in our system, uh, you know, because we're not anywhere close to any kind of municipal system, we would have essentially the option of a septic system, which is, is well it's horrible, not an
1: option for most people. They have to have yeah, it they and have they've to. upped it and upped it and upped it. And and if costs you know anything
0: about septic systems, they're very polluting. Yeah. You know, um, it's essentially uh, a concrete box in your backyard where all the waste flows into. And then when it overflows, it goes through a whole bunch of pipes and tiles to just sort of leach into your ground.
1: But I do yeah. want to say that part of the issue with the, with these septic systems is that almost every product used to clean or wash something has some kind of chlorine and antibacterial uh, aspect to it and the minute one drop of that hits that septic tank it destroys all the microbial action that is necessary for that to work properly so it's a figment of imagination that and unscientific that those septic tanks are really um doing a job
0: yeah because they're relying on natural processes of breaking down um the waste waste. products Mm -hmm. into something that's benign Yet these chemicals destroy or inhibit right. that process. It's almost
1: impossible to buy chemicals, to, to buy cleaning materials that don't do that.
0: Right. So now um, composting toilets are another option. And composting toilets are uh, isolated units um, in the state of Ohio. I'm not sure about other states, but as long as the composting toilet is is ANSI slash UL listed. So in other words, as long as you paid $2,500 for this bucket that you can go mm-hmm. to the bathroom. do you have
1: to use less than 35 gallon of water? Uh, it you? depends
0: on your situation, but essentially they're acceptable. And, and one option there is to say, all right, typically these are isolating the human waste. You then incorporate wood chips um, in with that. The process happens naturally and and what our process is is to say all right as you're emptying this let me just say
1: the urine is separated out naturally in the process so all you have left is dry material that's mixed with those chips and those chips aerate and and create a way for the the solids to break down while it's still in the drum and then you crank the drum and you empty that and that's where you're talking. And,
0: about. Then we're, and then what we do is take that material and then put it in a composting area and let it further break down for another year at which point it is really just rich soil and that can then be used um, in, in gardening or landscaping right. or well, whatever it is pollution the
1: pollu- pollution yeah. is-
0: there are some but, rules about the um, but the let, waste say, flow. let me right, say let me say before
1: you do that because Disney World has been using composting toilet situation since the beginning of Disney World, which is, what, 40-some years ago.
0: All right, so what you're saying is don't freak out because Mickey Mouse says it's okay. Yeah. All right. All right, so to get off the sewer thing, because we've got other things to worry about, um, one of the advantages of an Earthship and one of the design aspects of it is use, using thermal mass and passive solar. Uh, as part of the heating and cooling process of the building. And this does work very, very well in a desert environment, where essentially you're creating an underground living uh, area. And so that if you think about, there's a thing they call thermal lag, where during the day, the earth is going to warm, but it warms very slowly. And then during the night, it's going to cool, but it cools very slowly. So, as the air is heating up during the day, the warm the earth is warming up a little bit, and and your house doesn't get as warm as outside. So you're getting a cooling action. But then at night, your your home is warmer because the earth that you're living within um, is is giving off some of that heat that it absorbed during the day. And it does it on a on a diurnal or a daily process, but it also does it seasonally as well. So in the summertime, you're gradually absorbing heat into the earth. And in the wintertime, you're gradually releasing some of this heat into the environment. So the end result is you don't have to heat or cool that much in your living facility to be comfortable. Does all that make sense to you? You're giving me the... Well, I'm
1: just thinking of all the people that one degree... Is (laughs) miserable or if you had to work at it. But I I do want to say that coming back to the bottom line of this is zoning is unique to each community. And there are rules. Some of them are very lax or don't exist around water treatment, water collection, uh, waste treatment waste collection, um, also other utilities like electric. But you want to check with your local government and you want to find out what the rules are because you cannot break those rules if you don't know what they are. And there are exceptions to the rules um, in most communities where you can pay for um, some kind of an exception and that doesn't mean you'll get it. I know we paid to have an exception for the original composting toilet and they just never bothered to you notify know, a us.
0: Of, a lot of building officials, you know, let's say that they're trying to be better. And and we, people can be criti- critical of code enforcement or building officials, but for the most part, they're just trying to do their job and keep everybody safe. That's kind of where they're coming from. But ideas change, processes change, and some of the good ones are saying, listen, you know, we've been relying on septic tanks for years, and we know these things just don't work. Just because it's an industry, you know, it's okay, but maybe there are better solutions. So you could apply to be an experimental site, for instance, and say, all right, I want to try this new system, and then they're not committing themselves that this is now okay. They're just saying, okay, we're going to use you as a as an exception to see
1: do You know a works? case that this happened because Well, in- Michael
0: Reynolds had to do that out in out in uh, New Mexico just as uh, for the structural he had to get an exception just as an I know, but I think
1: it, I think I, I don't know. It can happen. It can It happen. could happen, but And then- I could
0: win the lottery. Too, I
1: know but, it. There um, you go. You never Probably know. the odds are better for you. <laughs> All right.
0: So we've got um, heating and cooling and in our situation again, most of the heating and cooling is done through passive means, sunlight coming through windows, Thermal mass of the Earth, but then we have wood stoves. Um, you one
1: know, wood stove. One wood stove, and for uh, twenty two hundred square feet. Yeah. yeah, and
0: that keeps the house comfortable. I mean, it keeps it very comfortable for me. And if you're sitting right up against the wood stove, very comfortable for you. You know, <laughs> like a cat basking in the window. So uh, then, of course, electricity. And electricity was something that we fussed about in the early years here at Blue Rock Station because we were basically hooked up to the grid and the grid in this region was almost entirely coal uh, powered, which is very polluting. And so we're sitting here going, you know what? We are such hypocrites. We're trying to be green. We're trying to do all of this stuff, but all of our electricity is coming from coal burning power plants. So as soon as we can afford to do solar, we're going to do solar and, and we did, um, you know, we we're fairly early adopters on that. We were the
1: second solar array in the county. In, yeah. Oh, not just county, in the service area for our rural for utility. co-op. utility,
0: yeah. So they were kind of, uh, kind of trying to figure out. And fortunately, uh, what was his name? Zach, the guy from yeah. the utility. Zach, he, he was into engineer. solar. Yeah. And, and we were saying, hey, we want to, we want to, um, we were installing it over a weekend we want to uh, commission the system on Sunday. Do you think you could come out on Sunday? He's like, we don't, we don't work on Sundays. And I was like, Hey, we'll give you waffles. And he's like, (laughs) yeah, okay, I'll be there. You know? So, so he showed up on Sunday and helped us commission the system and
1: meaning to turn it it on on
0: and make sure we didn't blow anything up. And so essentially since 2014, we installed a 4k W system. Then we've installed another 4k W it is grid connected. So, Pretty much all of our electricity that we use here on the, um, on the farm it comes from solar. Uh, it, it doesn't have a battery backup system. It's referred to as net metering, where when we're producing extra power, it goes to the grid. And then when we need power, like at night, we pull from the grid and it all balances out. So at the end of the month, hopefully we have a zero bill.
1: Well, we do have a lot of wind in the winter. Because we're up on a ridge. And so we do have a wind turbine that will be commissioned uh, when the tiny house is uh, finally livable.
0: Okay. And then the last utility, which is still the one we're struggling with, because pretty much all of these, water, sewer, heating, cooling, electric, we're at kind of a zero cost situation. This is communications. Communications oh, yeah. is yeah. a pain. And so we're talking about phone, phone service and our beautiful at&t decided well because there was a law that they agreed to that said any of their customers they had to provide broadband service to any of their line customers so they decided just to remove the lines you know they just took up their uh, hardwired system and said oh you're no longer our customer so there are no phone lines coming to this to this ridge now it's all mobile service and Verizon. Fortunately, we can sort of we're on the outside edge of their service area. But further down the road, you know, you're, there's no mobile. There's no right. landline. But even then.
1: Not. So the other day, we had flipped off the breaker bar breaker bar for a bunch of lights and stuff, which had the house phone on it. Well, and and so. Verizon went down. I couldn't use my mobile phone. I had to call somebody back. They'd been cut off on the line. And I didn't have any way to call anybody for any reason.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. it's, it's a harsh, a it's harsh.
0: And of course, broadband, huge problem. So we're hoping, hoping, hoping technology will eventually be our friend. But But it seems like as we see developments in technology like 5G, um, these are these are urban developments. Right. They're rural not. Areas they're not rural. The, I mean, yeah. There's just no money, um, or not sufficient money, for it. So we really need. I, I personally believe, like we saw in the 1930s, with the rural electrification program, where government stepped in and said, "Listen, it is in the vital national interest for these rural." areas to have electricity so we will underwrite some of the cost of developing that infrastructure and today it is in our national interest that rural areas have access to um, you know to realistic and capable broadband
1: there is some of that happening where they're putting monies out there the government's putting states are putting their money out there to try to encourage small firms to begin to generate broadband um, services but again, rural areas are, are always the ones going to be screwed in every category. So I don't, I don't hold much hope for that, at least over the next five years. Okay.
0: Well, on that happy note, <laughs> I, will, I will mention that you have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our technologically astute Emmy Award-winning <laughs> producer, Adam Rich. And we want to thank night. you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is...
1: Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and don't forget to turn the breaker bar back on for the phone. Okay. Until next time. Bye-bye.